Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges. Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earl. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earl, and this is episode 91. I have the delight today on Thursday, June 23rd, 2022, of uh, talking with Kirby of Knife Fork Book. Hi, Kirby. Thanks for coming on the show again for the second time. Having such a pleasure. You know what? When you and I meet, we have a good time, and we always do. And, and I don't say no to a good time. <laughs> 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 Same, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's great to see. Of course, uh, Kirby is in Toronto and I'm in Ottawa right now. We're doing this on Zoom. The last time we talked a few years back, I'm sorry, I don't remember the year, but uh, we actually, it was when Kirby came to read at the tree reading series. And before before their reading, we um, we went over to a, a local pub near the, on Bank Street in Old Ottawa South. And we uh, recorded the episode over drinks and food. So that was, that's something I look forward to doing again someday. So we'll, we'll do that again. Absolutely. That was so delicious. And uh, there was enough froth on the draft. That was delicious too. <laughs> and I always like, I like um, the sounds of people's people in restaurants, don't you? In the background. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something I miss. Yeah, same. And and the thing too is that um, the actual recording device that I use, the digital recorder, is called a Zoom. So that's what's really funny too. Kind of pre, pre uh, you know, uh, it was like a, a prophecy or something coming true. First, I was zooming on the recorder, and now I'm zooming constantly uh, through this uh, this medium too. So the first thing I guess I've, I've I've been asking everyone instead of reading bios, I've been just asking people and what would you like listeners to know about you, Kirby? Um, I'm exactly who I present. Yeah. Um, I'm a poet. I have a passion for poets and poetry. I have a huge heart and um, I'm pretty open and um, I'm the publisher and, and founder of My Fork Book in Toronto, Canada's only all poetry bookshop, um, which has gone through a number of incarnations, including now, which I'm sure we can touch upon. And um, I, my new book, Poetry is Queer, is still new. In fact, I'm just having, um, I'm finally having my Toronto launch. Wow. On July 13th, I've been, I've been, I, but the, the, my original launch was almost a year ago in, at Harborville, in Harborville, Nova Scotia, which was just really right. But here on the street where I live, wow. I'm going to be in the back room at the Black Eagle on church and that's where poetry's queer is launching and i couldn't be more excited sounds it's fun to me the back room of the black eagle and poetry is queer what what <laughs> what combination of, of delight and sexiness is that <laughs> the black eagle 
It's like wonderful. It. It's my neighborhood haunt. Uh, the last time when I, when I launched, this is where I get off. Half of that bar came to the launch in Kensington, but they were pissed because there was no alcohol. And I said, darlings, next time I'll launch the Eagle. And there you go. <laughs> so I'm super psyched. That's and it's, it's open to everyone. It's open to everyone. So. Yeah. Sound, sounds lovely. I will be there in spirit, not in not in spirits or in person, but I will. I will. In my, I would. It sounds lovely, and I, I should also mention that I'll be putting up um, in the show notes, um, knifeforkbook.com, the website, and any other any other sites you want me to put up information about your launch or whatever is available. Your site, whatever, I'll be happy to do that. Now you've already you talked a little bit about um, knife fork book. Is there anything else uh, before we go into some nitty gritty questions? about what um, what you'd like listeners to know about Knife Fork Book? Um, just that we're still here. I mean, if anybody was to tell me that we would be coming out of these past two years at two new locations um, in Toronto, I would have said, you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but then here we are, KFB East, which is at the Great Escape Bookstore in um, the Upper Beaches um, on Kingston Road. It's wonderful. Katja is the owner of the Great Escape, and she welcomed us there. And there's a glorious back lane yeah. that we have access to for, for readings and events. And, um, and the store has been there for over 50 years, and it still has that wonderful whiff of beauty when you walk in and you smell books and catch is one of the most knowledgeable persons I've ever come across with regards to books and book selling. She's a gem. And yeah. so of course we hit it off. And then KFB West is in Parkdale, um, where, where I used to live, um, right at Dunn Avenue and Queen Street West. It's a wonderful location, Shaquille. Um, and Alex are two of the people there that I know. Shaquille actually creates ceramics downstairs. Oh, nice. Gorgeous ceramics there. Yeah. And Midnight Mass, uh, that's run by Matt Finner, also has their, their books there as well. And oh, perfect. I, <laughs> I know, a nice work book has our, our cart in the shop window in the storefront. So, um, and another space that we can hold, hold um, readings in as well. So we're really, really fortunate. But that's, you know what? I'll never forget, once I went to go see Douglas Copeland at um, uh, Convocation Hall at UT during the Massey Hall lectures. And um, I couldn't, I, I was I was in a space in the auditorium where I, I couldn't quite hear. It's a good thing I'd read the book prior to attending. But it wasn't until like the last 10 minutes that all of a sudden something popped and I could hear the last 10 minutes fairly clearly. And I went up, I, I approached, Douglas afterwards and I said, I said, oh darling, I said, I, I was, I was so excited to hear you and see you tonight. And, um, but I had such a hard time. And, and then all of a sudden he goes, Kirby, I know exactly what you're talking about. He goes, we really do need to look after each other. Mm. And I, I can't imagine that being more significant or important right now. We really do need to check in and look after each other, you know. Um, and and I'm not saying that, uh, I'm talking about those that you hold dear, those that yeah. you cherish, those that you care about. I I think people forget sometimes that I'm I'm 
a single person. Fuck, yeah. I forget. I forget sometimes I'm, a, I'm just one person and um, everybody's either out on the limb these days and I kind of prefer a limb over a ledge, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, um, we're in very tenuous times and precarious times. And um, so one of the things I wanted to do with KFB when the pandemic hit was I do know how much, um, KFB matters to to poets and those around me and those and and I know that its reach is large, and I wanted to do my best to act as a rudder through the pandemic and offer as much as possible to let people know we're here, we're going to get through, we're here, and I think that's the best we can do is remind people that we're here and we're doing what we can to be here. And um, so it's <laughs> I'm laughing because it's a lovely surprise, and I also realize how um, how tenuous things are these days. So yeah. I'm glad that we can still um, re reside and find place to uh, to be with each other, even if it's in this virtual sense right now. That's it. And I, I tell this story, I've told this story a few times, but I'll tell it again because uh, it's it's relevant, is that um, I guess in uh, March of 2021, I was in the hospital. I, I sometimes have to go because I don't have a colon, I have bowel obstructions, and I was admitted for five days. And um, Charles, I couldn't come up to the room, but he could just come downstairs and drop stuff off for me. And I asked for, I'd, I'd, I'd subscribe to um, Knife Fork Book, um, um, subscription services, both of them at the time. And so he brought along um, some of the books and it was just great. That's what I, I did. I, I had a chance, basically I had in uninterrupted time to just, I couldn't do a lot, right? I had like, so that was perfect for me. I remember it was um, Wawen's book and uh, Aiden Chafe's books that I, um, you know, that I just, uh, you know, devoured. And, and uh, we'll talk about it later. But the fact that you you have uh, through Knife Work Book a subscription ser subscription services where yours um, basically your, uh, the subscription includes books from other publishers and chapbooks from other that's that's a that's an amazing thing it's such a brilliant idea right I mean it's 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 completely anathema to what a lot of publishers and you know do but it's it's the kind of the bookstore philosophy too but I think it's also the collaborative philosophy and that's that's um, the working together and, and holding other people up and not being competitive. And, you know, so I really like that. That's one of the things I love about Knife Fork Book and what you're doing with it. So, I think, I, yeah, thank, thank you. I, I love our subscription series. It, it, yeah. We still have it, but it was very helpful through the pandemic to, to be offering, you know, monthly titles coming directly to your door. And um, yeah. beautiful. And, um, it is it is a it is a collaborative thing. I think you know one of the reasons I even got into this was because I care about how poets are met and treated, and, yeah, and, and publishers for that matter. It yeah. sometimes it can be really kind of thankless, and and um, if it's reduced down to just a business, 
this is no business to be in. I mean, <laughs> run a parking lot. That's a business to be in. You want to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever the, what are the, the new Airbnb fucking kingdoms and, oh and have a resale of tickets on Ticketmaster. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of, it's all kind of gross, to be honest. It's just disgusting. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, and I, you know what? I can't, I can't afford to buy everything I want to buy. I can't afford all the poetry I want. I still use the library system. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's not the point. The point is to highlight and be in support of each other and, and show that this these are available. And if, if you're able to afford this, you can purchase it here through us at KFB. I'll, I'll, I'll promote I promote whatever's going on across the country. Yeah. So, and, and actually... And yeah. Well. yeah. So um, I just want to, I often refer to myself as a cheerleader. If there's something that excites me, I'm not stingy. I'm going to share what excites exactly. me. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So mm -hmm. where does your enthusiasm for poetry come from in particular? Like what, um, I mean, was there any, ever any doubt to you that you would, you would start a, a poetry bookstore or a poetry press like or you know like were there any other thoughts you had about what you what you would do or just it's always been poetry in your blood <laughs> well it's I, I i wrote poetry from a young age i can't say it was good poetry but i wrote it <laughs> and um and read it and had my attended my first open mic reading at a a, a wine a wine place in Toledo, Ohio. I was still living in Toledo, Ohio, and there was a wine place called Tiffany's in the Colony, and um, the Colony was a strip mall in Toledo, and it was like an area right like like Corktown would be here. Anyway, I was all of seventeen, and and I chose three poems to read, and the third one only slightly intimated that I might be a homosexual. Mm. And I, thought, I guess in the first two, and I still have the verve to, you know, to share this third poem, then maybe I wouldn't. And I did. And um, and people were, you know, nothing, the, the earth didn't crack open, nothing, no one swallowed me, you know, blah, blah, blah. You think the ground's going to swallow you? But what was so wonderful is there was this beautiful guy that had it called Bob. I don't know Bob's last name, but Bob was full on Cheshire grin smiling. And he looked right at me and said, come here, you big fairy. And, <laughs> he hug, and it was like, oh my God, I found my people. Yeah. And great. Was, and I'll never forget that. You never forget that. Mm -hmm. So that is, for me, that's the heart of KFB. Mm -hmm. to, have, to have that kind of welcoming yes, this exists. Yes, you're welcome. Yes, this is here. Um, I, you know, I can't, I, that is certain, my aim is true. I can't say I'm always successful at it, but I always have it in mind. And that is definitely our aim. So, um, and with regards to the passion continuing, um, I had great librarians oh, and, yeah. and other um, uh, thinkers that, pointed me in directions that I need to go in, which I cover quite a bit in Poetry is Queer. Yeah. It's virtually the map. There's two questions I set out to answer in Poetry is Queer. The first was in a question I asked, was asked in, this is where I get off, can you imagine all she's lived through? Mm 
Mm. And it's the first time I even heard that question mm. and realized, oh my God, yeah, I didn't consider that myself. <laughs> and then the other question was, Kirby, how did you get here? Like, how is it that you're still here? <laughs> here? And that's a really important piece too. So Poetry is Queer set out to create a map of, of what I've lived through and what keeps me here. And poetry is a large, uh, a primary color of what keeps me here, for sure. When I was when I was a kid, I didn't know there was such a thing as living poets because we studied. Oh, we only studied like Shakespeare and I was doing other languages. So I was studying like Dante and stuff like that. But I actually didn't know, seriously, didn't really realize that there were actual people around um, selling their poetry books and all this stuff in the in the in the modern era like in the contemporary era so and i was always i always wrote everything poetry stories and songs and everything else but um i didn't know about contemporary poets except for musicians so it's, it's really weird it wasn't until my 30s when i was going through a hard time in my life and i I was able to do whatever the equivalent of Googling was in, the, in that, that time, whatever it was, Yahoo or Excite or whatever the heck the search engine was. Right. And I was Googling uh, poetry for solace, you know, to help me out and uh, going through a bad time. And I suddenly found all of these contemporary writers who were like Gwendolyn McEwen. And the thing about Gwendolyn McEwen is I love her work so much. And I lived in Toronto. I was actually going to U of T exactly around the time in the 80s when she was nearby and, and just before she died like I was there so like her spirit and near because I was going to U of T Victoria College at the time so I feel like you know like when I when I read her poetry and then there was Lorna Crozier and Mary Oliver and all these women I was like wow these, this is I didn't know that what I wrote was poetry until then so yeah 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 I mean who's who's to say we have an idea of it, right? Like this this looks like a poem, it kind of reads like a poem, but um, it, you know, it's fascinating to me that Cavafy, C.P. Cavafy was one of the yeah. first poets I read when I was a teenager. Amazing. And that, that's just pure, that's, that's, man, that's, that's such a gift. That is such a gift. And, um, it made me realize that, oh, no, I'm not crazy. And yes, I can. Uh, these desires are cherished, are to be cherished, and I can live my life as a, as a queer person. So, um, and imagine that in, in Kavafi's own lifetime, none of his work was published. And, um, and then it took forever to have translators that... Um, would actually be um, true to the to what the translation was in terms of his homosexuality. So um, grateful, grateful. Of course, it took homosexuals to do that as well. So we have to do everything. Jesus, you don't have to do everything. That's 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 just where people must change the world. It's all. I think it's always been so. <laughs> we certainly need some. We we need a lot of queerness right now. You know, you have uh, some, or call me a groomer. Call me whatever. I don't. <laughs> I mean, God knows, the first twenty four fucking years of my life, I was groomed to be, you know, not gay. That's be, right. Yeah. It's kind of like so. Gee, you know, do a role reversal, kids. Hello. Yeah. Anyway. Let's go. <laughs> 
Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of queerness, so um, so what's the plan? Like, oh, I mean, you. I remember you telling me before about um, kind of having the first uh, iteration of the bookstore was a cart that you used to used to. Um, used to uh, roll along in Toronto and then, but did the bookstore, did that idea come first and then the press following? Is that how, or did you always have the idea to do the press as well to publish, publish uh, chat books and stuff or? No, I didn't even have the idea that it was going to be a poetry shop, but here's what happened. <laughs> of course it took queers. Of course it took homosexual and queers. So um, while when, who queer identifies, yeah. Um, she was holding a workshop with C.A. Conrad. And yeah. I'd not read WA, I'd not read C.A., but the workshop sounded like fun. So I thought, <laughs> oh, I'm, you know, and I hadn't, I, I hadn't been writing for a few years. I was, um, uh, well, I was, I had to take a break. I was living through my first pandemic of AIDS. So, yeah. so I just couldn't, I couldn't write. At that time, I just, it was too, I was too close to it, and uh, and C. A. Conrad was coming, and I signed up for the workshop, and oh my god, how much fun! It was crazy. It was a it was mm -hmm. on the upper floor of um the upstairs of the Imperial Pub on Dundas. Oh yeah, okay. There's only one working. <laughs> washroom at the time and of course so I'm in there and there's wah and we're talking she goes I really feel like I should know you and I said I well yeah I should know you she goes what have you written I just said well I just I just put out a cocksucker's prayer and she, <laughs> and she said, oh that sounds good and <laughs> and then I found out her next class was going to be Frank O'Hara and that was the beginning of our relationship a beautiful friendship that began in the bathroom that talking began. about cock sucking exactly yeah. exactly this is i love it <laughs> we still hang out in bathrooms her and i perfect and, um, <laughs> yeah it is quite sweet um so but here's here, okay so in terms of the book cart and everything um this gentleman that because I, I would have the book curtain has in the market and he would say Kirby what do you have for me and I would pull out a few books <laughs> and, then he said, and then he said um I asked him how his business was doing and it was at a time that he was he had a coffee shop Rick's Cafe and he goes there was like three coffee shops that opened in the same block around him and all of a sudden it became very competitive and I said well, I, I might have an idea for that mm -hmm. and so we talked about me moving my cart to be part of the cafe. And then I realized Toronto doesn't need a new used bookstore. They need a poetry shop. Toronto mm -hmm. needs a poetry shop. And that was, so how it happened was I had been collecting poetry for 40 plus years. Wah had just um, judged the BP Nickel Award and had all these like 100 plus chapbooks. Yeah. And he gifted me the chapbooks and said, Kirby, this, along with your 40 years of collecting poetry, that was wow. the of KFB. That's wonderful. What a great yeah. thing to do. That's exactly, <laughs> see, but here's the crazy thing. We had no money. No, <laughs> of course not. No funding, <laughs> no money. No. Yes, we opened that. That was it. <laughs> and and in the first year had over a hundred events and poets and mm. I mean it just it just because 
the need is large, darling. It is. It is. It absolutely is. I. I. I as I say, I'll say later in this note of praise I've written, like a, we we actually need knife fork book here in Ottawa and every 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 province in Ontario or I mean in in Canada and beyond. We we could use it. Do you remember in those early days who were some of the early like uh, people who came in who were who uh, were were sort of uh, became sort of part of the community for you? Do you remember any of the earlier? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would I would arrive and the coffee shop would already be open, yeah. and there and there's Aaron Morey sitting right there, and I I'm going oh, holy shit, Aaron Morey, and she's smiling. We converse, and then these two guys walked in one day, and uh, they had IFOA bags on, and I said, oh, um, my friend is reading there tonight. Are you going? And and then the one guy says, oh, he's reading there too, and I looked, and it's Phil Hall. <laughs> and with Mark Goldstein and I and, I, and of course and, I, and you know it, it just all of a sudden people were making the pilgrimage to KSB that's fantastic everywhere <laughs> made KSB a destination and I mean it really it also really helped um I have, I'm, I'm going to sing Wall's praises because I can honestly say that KSB wouldn't have happened without Wall Wen. wow she was an absolute mentor and uh, not just mentor, but good friend. And um, you always want to find that person that's saying yes to your life. Yes, exactly. Right? You so always true. want to find that person. And so she was about to launch her brilliant book, Violet Energy and Gox, which eventually was nominated for the Griffin. It's Wade's book. She could have, she could have launched anywhere, anywhere, and she launched a KFB. So that was one of our first events, actually. It's crazy. and it, But things like that put us on the map. So that, um, and things like Coach House Books, all of a sudden, Kirby, we'd like to meet you. I get there, they have a box of books for me. Great. Jane, Jane has a from Book Hub, come in. Kirby, we've got books for you. Rick sends me a box of books. So the goodwill early on in the community has been nothing shy of extraordinary. That's lovely. Yeah. And, um, and continues and continues. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Um, I'm trying to think about that. I met, oh my God, meeting everybody. I mean, <laughs> um, Danny Couture and Damien Rogers and Mostly women, mostly women. Yeah. Oh, which of course I guess shouldn't be surprising. David Bradford at the time as well was early on. Um, James Southcott. Uh, um, you know, it was a hub. It was a yeah. hub. Continues to be. And so. what started the press? Like what? What? Uh, what made that? Because you had the bookstore, and then uh, you were selling poetry by also contemporary publisher published locally and elsewhere so what yeah almost entirely a contemporary new work yeah. but yeah. um honey i told you we had those hundred chapbooks do you know what it's like to walk into a bookstore and actually be able to physically handle chapbooks <laughs> that, that's the one the other thing that completely differentiated us from any other yeah. in the city, pretty much. So, and I saw those chapbooks flying off the shelves 
And after, you know, a year into it, I said, this is a no brainer. We need to start publishing chapbooks. So that's how the press started. It was just obvious that that was the direction to go in. And we had the space to, again, for people to handle them. And I also knew there was a way I wanted to do it. There was ways I was seeing it was being done and there was a way that I wanted to do it. Um, so, you know, I like to make things pretty. Yes, well, they are. They're pretty, that's for sure. <laughs> what, uh, what were you? What do you like about the chapbook? What is? I mean, I love the chapbook, but uh, I didn't know about the chapbook until uh, until like two thousand two thousand one or so. So I didn't know about it existed before that. The chapbooks just kind of perfect. They're perfect. I I find you know poetry books used to be maybe maybe sixty pages. Yeah. Maybe at the most eighty pages. But a chapbook is anywhere up to 48 pages, which I think is, you know, too long. I would still call that a full-length book. Too, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's so there's something quite fun, elegant. Um, I like a bite-sized thing. You know, I like something that is complete in and of itself. And I, unfortunately, there's been so many collections. There's, I think there's only one full-length collection, which would have been Ralph Kalevi's The Absence of Zero, that is worth its girth. <laughs> so, many, so many of the books coming out right now are about 20 pages too long. You can <laughs> benefit enormously from, from pulling out, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to say, darlings, I mean, you know, you can do more than one book. <laughs> and, um, so, but chapbooks, they're just, they're just fun to me. They're fun, and they and they also are. I mean, in terms of publishing, they're perfect because you can put them out at any time. It's not like with a when you're publishing a book and it has for a season. So it's two years from now that it's coming out. So thank God for chapbooks because yeah. you can toss out at least one or two between the times that you're putting out your full length. That's um, it. Some put way out again. There there are those that put out way too much stuff, but but that's that's up to that's not up to me. Hey, I, I, I don't think you can ever have too much of, of a good thing. So I'm happy with a lot of whatever. And I just, I, as someone who writes long poems, some of my poems are 100 pages long and it's just the way it is. You know, it's, no, I, I don't have publishers mostly. So <laughs> I hear you. And um, yeah, yeah. And, but what's cool is to put out a chat book that's yeah. just a single long poem. Yeah, exactly. Well, I love that too. I mean, a lot of the the work that I, I mean, I loved Ralph's uh, The Wild Fox. It's just a, a great, a beautiful. Uh, I haven't even praised it to, to him. Uh, I should have. I should have told him. Really. You're doing uh, it now. You're yes, that's it. right. That's why a lot of that. A lot of times, I read a lot of stuff um, for the podcast. So that's when I kind of do my most of my poetry reading these days. Is uh, is uh, then. So I, I've been going through and reading. One of the things I noticed too, in the in the ones that I have. Have is that um, there are some specific recurring designs. So, for instance, there's a, a style with the plain brown uh, cover with the raised letters. I quite love that, actually. And then there's also the orange. I have a few that are uh, this really lovely orange with um, with handwriting for the cover. I mean, the, this, what, what determines the design for you? For, uh... um. I have an eye for design. I do all the covers. Um, originally, Norm Nematala was doing the uh, the layout and the guts of the book. Um, 
Now Ralph Kalevi is doing that, who is who is also meticulous. Yeah. And um, I, I tend I like to do groupings so that if a series of chapbooks are coming out at once, which is what we normally do at KFB, kind of like a season. Yeah. I want people to buy all three. I don't want them to just buy one. So I tend to design whatever's coming out in that period with a similar, if not identical look. Okay. Um, kind of like like the, 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 the wonderful brown paper ones that you're referring to. God, I love those so much. But they were our first pamphlets as opposed to chapbooks. They're very, very tiny. Uh, I, maybe Ralph's is a chapbook, but for me, they were, I, I wanted to do, I wanted to do more pamphlet size, which is like, you know, a few pages long. And um, I also love things being embossed. I, I love that. Oh, too. me too. Yeah, I love that. I love touching those letters. Like that's just anything I can touch. At the at the uh, small press fair, we always, uh, for Bywords and Angel House Press, we always had uh, a chapbook that was the most fondled chapbook of the fair, you know, and so. Uh, that's and the one that to pay attention to. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'd like to be a chapbook. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the most fondled at the fair. That hasn't happened. The most fondled at the fair. That sounds like a great title, girl. Hello. <laughs> there you go. If you don't use it, I'm going to use it. Well, you, you, you use it. I'll, I'll, so maybe we can collaborate. We'll write. We'll write a collaboration. That would be fun. That would be fun. Can you talk about um, so any particular uh, design books, uh, chat books that uh, in specific that maybe they were a little interesting from the point of design or challenging or. Uh, or something about making chapbooks that. Uh... Um, my, you know what? I I respond to the work that the, that is being sent. I respond to the work in terms of like you know like Kashir Mohammadi's Dear Castrol. Yeah. Um, uh, Prathnalore Seven Two, um, Sons by Dale Smith, and. My, my, the objective is to serve the book. Mm -hmm. I, I want to serve the book. What's the, what's the most beautiful way so that people, so that it rep reflects the book, represents the book, but also people want to hold the book, touch the book. For me, it's still a very tangible thing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, it's not like, I, I'm, I can't say I'm, uh, I guess now I am a professional, but um, at the time it was, I just responded to things that I love. Like I aspire to the beautiful works that Ugly Duckling Press puts right. in. Right, yeah. Um, they're one of my favorites. I love what Wave does. Um, there's certain, I love early book hug, book, uh, book well, they were book hug at the time, but yes. book, book hug did great chat books when they first, when they first yeah, I have one by uh, by them too from from yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. so um, some early chat books by Gasparo Press as well I mean yeah. there's so you realize hmm this is what I like and you pay attention to what you like and then um, all of a sudden the world the new world that opened up to me was concrete poetry and vispo and visual yeah. poetry, which which became a a real affection for me and um that's why we did your book darling yeah yeah uh, beautifully done too. <laughs> well here's a, you know here's an example of something that um i knew i wanted to do it 
I knew what the difficulties would be because it's uh, yeah. pencil, it's it's black and white and mostly black, some, yeah. red, some red. So it was just actually in that case, it was just a matter of finding the right printer that was going to be able to reproduce the work in a way that I would be happy with and that I knew the author would be happy with. I didn't want anything faded. I didn't want anything. I wanted it to be represent the work and be a beautiful book in hand. And it which, is. It's gorgeous. Which, I love it. Yeah, which is <laughs> our aim and what, and what we're doing. So um, again, I'm very fortunate to be working with a great designer. Uh, John DeJesus at Coach House is yeah. so much, so wonderful to work with. Um, David, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. David, mm -hmm. who has this wonderful print shop in Vaughn, does our visual stuff, did the first two, uh, Not Your Best, right. Your Work. Um, anyway, and we've got, we've got, five new um, visual poetry titles coming out uh, for, for our new, for our very first poetry festival, the fertile yeah. festival of new and inventive works. Which yeah, talk is, about this festival, because I'm only really just learning about it. Uh, I learned about it after I already did, you know, prepared for this. And I, now I, today I just saw on Twitter, you, you announced the lineup, you've got the passes set up. It sounds fantastic. And it's happening in August. Well, it's been in the work for years. Okay. Um, and it was just a matter of finding, you know, obviously years plus the COVID years where it couldn't take place and I didn't want to do it online. And um, my idea was I wanted, I got, I'm just really turned on by new work and especially new visual work, not entirely visual, but much of it's yeah. visual. And I wanted, I'm also interested in experimentation and poetry and wanted to create more space for that. So um, one of the most brilliant publishers in this country is Kyle Flemmer of The Blasted Tree. Kyle Flemmer is also someone I completely aspire to. <laughs> I love, I love that. Um, I love that I'm always going to be surprised when I receive something new from the blasted tree. Yeah. And the yeah. imagination of a publisher is just incredible, incredible. So I, my first thought was, well, I definitely want Kyle to be one of the curators for the festival. And I met with the Gap Riot girls, Kate Siklosi and Danny Spinoza. And um, <laughs> we've always had fun together and always wanted yeah. to together so I wanted to make certain that they were involved as curators as well and then um, what I'm curating is basically what the publications that KFB are putting out as part of the festival including a new oh my god a gorgeous new chapbook by Clara Duplessis and Katie Sam oh. called um, um, Skin and Meat Sky Ooh. And then um, Billy Mavris, we have a broadside by Billy Mavris called Tenderness. Um, there's a new work by Sasha Archer called Kim, which is wow. um, Kim Young-il in variations. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And then um, a wonderful 
small pamphlet by a long poem pamphlet piece by Travis Sharp, who did Yes, I Am a Corpse Flower. And I heard him read the piece and knew immediately we had to do it. And then the, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on in the final piece, it'll come to me. Um, simply to say, um, the, the Fertile Festival's happening. I love the old notion of fertile. Yeah. You know, there, it reminds me of when I was a boy and I found this patch of green moss that was kind of like my fairy place. I would take <laughs> off my clothes and sit on this patch of moss, which was by the creek. And um, I'll never forget that. And the, it was, it was, it was fairyland for me. Wow, um, beautiful. So fertile is what it is about, about what, um, it's about place, it's about what enables things to grow, it's about moistness, it's about, um, it's about life, it's about life, what keeps us fertile. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Well, I'll make sure we'll have the link up as well, specifically for the festival as well, which is taking place in August. This August. Range anywhere from ten to a hundred dollars. So the hundred dollars, I'm sure, is uh, is that where you do the have the free for all and have people come in and uh, pick up titles? I saw something about that that looked interesting to me. No, yeah. what's happening is the the, the, the passes are, are are there simply, and it's, it's choose your own price point. Okay, I see. Your own price okay. point. So the passes start at ten dollars. Yeah. That's great. That's for the entire month-long festival. And everybody's treated the same. It doesn't matter whether you have a $10 pass or a $100 pass. We're just trying to cover the costs of the festival because we're not. We have yeah. no other funding. So it's choose your own price point. You'll be treated like royalty regardless if you're paying $10 or whatever okay. it is, whatever you're going to pay. And... Um, the festival mostly runs the first three weeks in August, and then the final week, we're having a giant summer poetry blowout sale. And there's a preview night, which mm -hmm. is specifically for pass holders. So they have first dibs on what, what is being done. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. It sounds wonderful. And I hope that you do them. I hope that this is the first of many, uh, many festivals. I think it's such a great idea. It, it's definitely the first. It's our inaugural. I think it's a good place to start. I'm already my my gears are already churning for what's what's next. Yeah, I, I I love that about you. Actually, I know you like you're someone who has a lot of really excellent um, ideas. They're uh, very creative. They're very collaborative, and and they're also quite unique. And after you do it, I think. I think it's like, oh, why didn't why didn't someone else think of that? You know, it's like there's such good ideas, like subscription service or or um, having pop up book, like having the bookstore inside other spaces. You know, I mean, there are just so many great ideas um, that you come up with that are that are new ideas to to me. Um, the small press, uh, the the Canadian small press, at least it seems to me in my. 20 years of being part of the Canadian small press, but uh, I hadn't, I haven't seen any, anyone like you come along and I'm glad that you did. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm going to say it's my, my queerness, my fabulous queerness yes. outside the box, but I I'm going to say something else. And I think it's really important. And I think it's something people need to hear. All right. We have no money. Nope. We started with 
zero donations. Yeah. We started with the donation of my 40 years of collecting poetry and Wa's wonderful contribution. We operate with no funding. And here's the scoop. That does not stop me from creating. No. That does not stop me from saying, here's a great idea. Now, I'm not thinking, oh, where are we going to get the money? <laughs> I'm thinking, let's do this and we'll be rewarded. Okay. <laughs> we, we do it. Everything's on a scale of, of not so much to make money, but not to lose money. Yeah. And, but I can't tell you how many meetings I've sat in, how many people I've heard talk. And it's the first and foremost, it's about the money. And I'm not saying I'm not saying this that because I'm some highfalutin la la la. This isn't about <laughs> being noble for fuck's sake. This is about me being a creative, just like anybody else who wants yeah. to create a, an artistic life, a life. And where I learned it was reading many many diaries and journals of queers before me yeah. that I that I learned. Oh my God, they lived broke too. I don't know anybody who doesn't live challenged financially. <laughs> we all are now because of what we just lived through. We're all challenged financially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But don't let that be the measure yeah. of your creativity or what you're able to create. Work from where you are. Work from where you are. And I, I, I just it drives me a little bit crazy that some of the first asks of anybody is about money and you know it's only been recently that we've been able to start to pay contributors like contributors mm -hmm. for the last not your best series for some of the new chapbooks that we've put out we finally been able to pay our contributors and um but let me tell you if you're just starting out and you think that you want to get half half of the money off of your from your chapbook sales and it's a chapbook of poetry. I want you to know that it takes half of those chapbooks for me to even break even. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 fortunately, fortunately, so far so good. But 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 if you're thinking about I'm going into this to rake in the dough, <laughs> there might be there might be one or two people that have been fortunate enough. For that to happen and i'm simply saying please don't base your money please don't base your creativity on branding <laughs> on fucking branding this young professional approached me they have this this thing called it was a website to support entrepreneurs and they wanted to do a thing on kfb and i went to the website and it's the worst form of branding I've ever seen that I detest. And I didn't respond because I thought, oh, I don't need to respond to this. Well, then they wrote back. And then they asked me, we don't want you to miss this opportunity. Oh, I, I, just went, I just went, I've been to your site. It's detestable. <laughs> I have no interest whatsoever. Okay, so don't mistake branding 
for creativity, although I'm sure there's creative business in graphic design or, or design and branding. I'm not saying there's no creativity there. The KFB is a brand for, for Lord's for Lord's sake, but it's a KFB has always evolved organically, always evolved through poets and through creators. I say we're powered by poets, and that's the yeah. truth. Yeah. That's the absolute truth, because that's that synergy that wants for things to happen, for poets, for poetry to be put out into the world. And um, I, it disheartens me. I get that people need money. I need money. <laughs> I get it. Okay. I'm sorry I got on my little soapbox here, but what I want to say is please don't have that impinge or cut off your creativity. You will, um, we're five years into this. We're still into this. Actually, we're about to be six years into yeah, this. Yeah, starting six years. And we're still in this. And one of the things about the Fertile Festival, which was a longtime vision, yeah. celebrating our fifth year as a press with Fertile. So, no, no, you know, I live very simply. I'm on my own. I don't have the same responsibilities others might have. I'm not coupled. I don't have a family, blah, 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 blah. So it makes it maybe a little more possible for me. But I want you to know, um, buy a festival pass because, boy, we're out on a limb right now. <laughs> yeah. You buy a festival pass for $10 because you love what we're doing and you love KFB and you have maybe a little bit of delight that I'm alive. Buy a $10 festival pass regardless of where you are in the where world. Yeah. And you also include to your Patreon as well, which we'll, we'll do as well. We'll include all that because there are ways to help uh, Knife Fork Book uh, do things, pay pay creators and all, all these other things too. I mean, I while I, I, I agree that um, we're not in it for the money, I do think it's important to, to, to pay people for their work, but I don't think it's necessarily important for individuals like us to do it. I think we need to have government support primarily. And I think I think we need those who can afford to pay and support. Like I, I tried to support as much as I can too. And one of the things we've done is, is through Angel House Press this year, thanks to you and other small press publishers donating work, we were able to pay our contributors for nationalpoetrymonth.ca and we'll pay our contributors for experimental. And one of the issues there is that especially uh, systematically excluded people, queer people, BIPOC people, um, uh, deaf and disabled people um, are living uh, close to the poverty line or living below, below the poverty line. So um, the, what happens is you end up with a kind of a privilege in that you only have white people um, showing their work because they're the only ones who can really often afford to do this work. And so that's an issue that has a lot, requires a lot of work. And the first thing, unfortunately, for a lot of people is the money. So while I, while I do respect that, um, and God knows generosity and all the things that the small press does, money is a factor because we live in a capitalist society, unfortunately. So we have to find ways 
to support and pay create, and you're doing that, and that that's magnificent. And your time is also valuable. You should be paid too, but we can't stop doing things because we can't get any money. So that's that's the thing. That's the trade off. It's figuring those things out, and it's it's kind of doing a balance of those things. And I think you're doing great, wonderful work. I have a note of praise. I'm going to read soon. <laughs> I'll just say one more thing. Yeah. Um, I I totally take in and hear and get what you're what you're saying. Um, and I just want to echo back to uh, to what I said earlier that yeah. I shared with me, and that is we have to, you know it's important that we, look, each other. that we look after each other. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. I agree with you absolutely. I you know I'm I can't I'm not embarrassed to say that I make poverty look really yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and it it is it, it it's not an easy thing. Um, living in Toronto is in terms of expenses, all of this. Um, I'm very fortunate. I live in a co-op. That's extremely helpful. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I wasn't living if it wasn't for my living situation. So yeah, we do need assistance. We do need um, to support each other. And um, I also aware that there's a lot of really fine assistance out there as well. So by all means, find it. Yeah. Find, apply for the grants. Get get, you know, if you can join the league, join the league and get paid for your readings. Yeah. I do the same thing as a poet. So yeah. And so and also the the time that you give and what you do, it's just such such a generous and uplifting thing, right? So that's that's something I really respect of what you're doing as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna read your note the note of praise now because I always have uh, I try to always have a note of praise here. Uh, so let's see here here it is. I, I had to handwrite everything out because my printer stopped working. So I had to um, I've had to handwrite my notes here. So let's hope I can read this. Yeah, you've got it. You can read it. No, I'll read it. <laughs> Just kidding. My praise for knife fork book has to begin with the enthusiasm and energy of Kirby. Not only have they created a press that publishes strong and captivating work under the name Knife Fork Book, they also run KFB, the bookstore, and its various services. KFB offers subscriptions that include poetry by other publishers, a brilliant and supportive initiative, and they even um, secured space for the store within other bookstores and businesses. There's something delightfully cooperative about Knife Fork Book. And in the case of work that is published by KFB, from the playfulness and sexual candor of Jennifer Lovegrove's The Tinder Sonnets to the minimal lyricism of Ralph Kolov's The Wild Fox and the delightful and visceral writing and art in the Not Your Best anthologies, I feel like I've come home. On top of all they do with KFB, Kirby, the instigator for all this love, community, and delight, offers their poetry up as an example of good work, sexy as fuck, unflinching, heartful, with a generous dollop of of uh, humor. Visit knifeworkbook.com for a sense of the energy, beauty, joy, and community of Knife Fork Book. They are big, there are big photos of smiling poets, lush, colorful covers of chapbooks, statements by Kirby, a history of accomplishments, and new terrain. We need Knife Fork Book in every goddamn province in Canada and beyond. They bring the joy. So that's that's my those are my good words for uh, for Knife Fork Book and for you who I, I again I consider you to be a dear friend and a kindred. So I'm, I'm if we were in the same city we would hang out a lot more than we do. We've hung out a lot already. So <laughs> well, it's a sweet thing to hang with out with you today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. 
thanks for your glowing praise. I, I, I'm glowing myself. Um, it's a wonderful thing to shine in your eyes, dear poet. <laughs> um, continue to be well, my friend. Okay. Thank you. So thanks to Kirby for being on the show, to Charles Earl for processing, Jennifer Peterson for the intro and outro, and to all of you for listening and sharing the episode. We have uh, more small press uh, wondrousness coming. I'm going to be talking to the uh, publishers of Ethel Zine, Bear Bois, Hester Glock, Above Ground Press, and Hem Press to come in future episodes of the Small Machine Talks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Small Machine Talks. The Small Machine Talks.